Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 23rd episode of your new favorite internet show, VisionCon Live. I'm your host, Zach Wilson, but you didn't come here to see me today. You came to see the man of the hour. He's Zemnis from Kingdom Hearts, Kuruma from Naruto, Leomon from Digimon, just to name a few. He's the legendary tour de force that we all know and cherish. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the one, the only, Mr. Paul St. Peter. Paul, how you doing today? Hey, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> We're all doing great. I got to be honest, though, Paul, before we start things off, I did want to give you some credit. Now, we had a, we've had a lot of guests on the show, and they're all very nice people. And, you know, on social media, they're also, you know, very nice, you know, fittingly. But there is that stigma for, you know, big, successful people, such as yourself, on social media that, you know, are just kind of cavalier with their followers. Thankfully, none of our followers have, have not been like that. But I will say, I want to give you personal credit because I've seen how you interact with your followers and it is heartwarming how much you just kind of interact with people and just talk with them so genuinely. So real quick before we start, guys, if, this, if you guys are watching this live on Facebook, all of the links to Paul St. Peter's uh, social media accounts are going to be in the live chat. Or if you're watching this later on YouTube, going to be in the description below. But Paul, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I am thrilled to be here. It's great to be able to talk about all the work. And given we can't do conventions right now, um, I'm happy to reach out any way I can. Well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. That's definitely a big part of why we're doing this, you know, to provide entertaining content for all of you guys, you know, while, you know, the world's still trying to, you know, put itself back together. But yeah. on that note, Paul, you know, like I mentioned, a significant actor in the industry Obviously, all of us know you and love you, but I want to know, how'd we all get here? How'd you start from, you know, your early beginnings all the way to where you are today? Was this always the plan? Well, I was, uh, as I mentioned to you, uh, raised in San Diego, and uh, we're both San Diego guys. San Diego natives. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, actually a kid playing street football, and one of my neighbors, who was our quarterback, uh, mentioned that he had done some drama in school, and he just thought that was the best thing. He had the greatest time. And something about that caught my imagination, and I thought, I'd like to give that a shot. So when I got into uh, what we used to call junior high school, middle school to everybody now, mm -hmm. um, I took a speech class, and then there was a drama class. And I took uh, three years of drama, got on the stage, uh, began working around San Diego at San Diego Junior Theater. Um, I acted at the Old Globe Theater for several productions and the Civic Light Opera, which was called Starlight at that time. And then uh, from there went on and became a member of the San Diego Opera Chorus. For a guy who never sang a note in his <laughs> life, um, <laughs> it just so, so happened I had a good singing voice and I have a good ear, I can hear music well. Sure. Um, so theater led me to Los Angeles, led me to the industry and people hearing my voice and knowing I was a specialist with voices and accents and dialects asked me to come in an audition. And so it, again, by a happy accident, I was good with the lip sync and uh, have a good eye and a good ear for all this sort of thing. So one thing led to another. So to answer your question in that way, here we are. Here we are. Well, so... You've been in the industry, you know, longer than many. So I did want to ask you real quick, before we kind of dissect some individual characters, uh, how has the industry evolved over the years, you know, from where you kind of first got into it all the way to, you know, now? 
Well, when I began, it really was a question of our doing cartoons, okay? We were voicing things that had been done in the 50s and 60s and 70s, and old-style drawings, and, you know, some of it very primitive, like a character turns their head and part of their mustache disappears um, because the animators just didn't quite get it right or they missed a frame or something like that. Um, take a look at where we are now with now what we would call anime and uh, CGI and these wonderful things. It used to be, I was worried about matching the lip sync on something where a guy was supposed to say, oh, on the end. And the word they put in the translation was er at the end. So we would have to mess with things like that. Now, when I do a video game and they train a camera on the lower part of my face, they're actually going to animate my mouth and my jaw onto the screen for that character. It has gotten that sophisticated. Whereas before, if we could just finish the same time they finished flapping, that was good. That's how I started off. So in 40 plus years, yes, things have changed quite a bit, yeah. Well, quite a bit, maybe, maybe just a little bit. But little uh, bit, yeah. speaking of those 40 years, there were some characters, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't touch on. And the first one I want to talk about is one that is a very near and dear to a lot of people's hearts from a very popular series that is getting a resurgence. And that, of course, is Leomon from Digimon. Now, I just want to be full disclosure, guys. I very recently started watching Digimon because for the longest time, I just kind of thought it was just kind of a knockoff Pokemon. Now, don't murder me in the chat or later on YouTube, guys. I have seen the light. But I want to talk to you about Leomon. Kind of what does that character mean to you? And what does... How's that character evolved through your voice throughout the years? With Leomon, um, he, those that don't know the series as well, um, there are characters that can go uh, anywhere they want, but in the digital world. And then you have the real world where the kids live and you know the, the school happens and things like that. Leomon is one of the few characters that can go from the digital world to the real world at will. And so, being uh, that good guy, and it's one of the one of my favorite good guy characters. I, I'm drawn to the villains like everybody else. Okay, uh, fans love to watch the villains. I love to play them. You know, <laughs> um, but there was something about Leomon that just really warms your heart, and uh, as Shakespeare would say, screws your courage to the sticking place, because Leomon would step up when the kids were in trouble. And that meant so much. It meant so much to the viewers. It meant so much to me because that gave me a lot to work with. There was a lot of emotion in there. You are going to harm these children. Oh, no, you're not. And I stepped in. And uh, as you know, Leo Mon with Fist of the Beast King and various other attacks, pretty awesome. So that, that was always a lot of fun to do. And uh, I always love to play the voice and use that and talk about the episodes with people. Well, and you mentioned something earlier during the VisionCon live pre-show that I did want to touch on a little bit, and you brought up a very interesting point about Digimon and the fact that it kind of gives uh, representation and a little bit of the limelight to some more serious issues that Leomon actually directly helps with, and that's, you know, that sometimes, you know, kind of the behind the scenes of these main characters' lives aren't exactly ideal. You know, they have trouble at home, and so kind of... Have you had any experiences with fans of the show that, you know, either talk to you and reach out to you and that like, hey, this has really touched my life? Oh, sure. It's a wonderful thing to have one of the attendees come up to me, um, either at one of my panels or if I'm uh, at my autograph table or something like that. And they want to talk to us about what a difference the show made for them. 
Um, there are those that are very withdrawn. And uh, I think sometimes people use the term kotaku. Um, the, the anime fan who is just kind of a, a shut-in, very shy and afraid to come out and talk to people. First of all, when you go to a convention, you found your world, okay? These are the people that are like you and love the things that you love. So by all means, attend and be there. But someone would come to me and say, uh, what you guys did in Digimon, and, and I have to give great, great credits to the screenwriters. Uh, these guys would put together episodes that just brought our characters out and really inspired us to, in our performances. Each side really does feed the other. And someone will come up to me and say that the way you help the kids out and the way the kids stuck together really helped me in my childhood. We have people that grew up watching Digimon and they come up with stories, they have tears in their eyes and it made a difference. And it means a, a lot to me to know that I was part of that. Um, again, it's, it's always fun to be the bad guy. Um, I get to do things with my voice that are very nuanced and uh, very uh, uh, creative. But there are times when just being that knight in shining, shining armor and absolutely uh, saving the day, that feels good too. <laughs> well, that is so sweet to hear. And the next character I want to talk about, actually, complete polar opposite. Because you mentioned you like playing the bad guys. Mm. I want to talk about a real bad guy. I want to talk mm. about Xemnas. Now, Kingdom Hearts, we all know it. It's, I would say Kingdom Hearts is very central and responsible for the popularity and kind of bringing JRPGs into the forefront of culture now. Because, you know, for the longest time, JRPGs were just kind of niche. But, you know, I'd say a lot of how they are kind of in kind of the mainstream now is a lot to do with Kingdom Hearts. And you play one of the main villains of the series. So kind of how did you get that role? Kind of how did that role evolve throughout the years? And any kind of interesting stories about it? Well, first of all, uh, the most interesting story was that I'm not supposed to have the role. Uh, I wasn't even supposed to audition for it. I was approached by the director and he said the client. Now, that could have been Square Enix or Disney or both at the time. He didn't say which one, but he said the client wants you to do the voice you did in Cowboy Bebop. Okay. Now, if you know my character in Cowboy Bebop, which is Punch, okay, yeah, um, I was a little surprised that they asked, but he said they want you to do the voice you did as Vicious. Now, I don't remember playing a character named Vicious, and names like that tend to stick with you. Mm -hmm. I, I did a game where my character's name was Death Panda, okay? <laughs> so you remember Death Panda, okay? You don't remember the security guard at the gate that says, go right through, sir, okay? That doesn't stay with you. <laughs> uh, but I didn't remember Vicious. On the other hand, and every one of us that work a lot uh, on anime and games will tell you we can't remember them all quite possibly i played a character named vicious i just couldn't remember so by the greatest coincidence in all of show business history at least in my experience the audition i did i did with exactly the voice they were after it, ju it just struck me as this would be the right voice and later on i listened to the character of vicious and i went wow now, how I came up with the actual delivery and performance is a different story. Um, can you hear that in the background? No. Okay, good. Um, when I got to the first session, they explained to me, all right, well, what we do is uh, we'll do one of your cues and we talk about it for about 10 minutes. 
and then we move on to the next one or we have you redo it. And they were not exaggerating. It might be a line like, stand with me. And then I sat on a bench and waited and they really did talk about it with Japan and Paris and whoever else was on the phone. Um, the problem was uh, the characters uh, have a timing that is about this long and the lines were written this short and they wouldn't give us more words and they wouldn't even let us uh, uncontract like can't to cannot, don't to do not. So what I had to do was slow everything down so it finished the timing. And that story, as far as the actual delivery and what, and the, the quality of voice that people fell in love with, uh, was all because of a technical issue that we had to take care of. Um, you always back it up with something creative. You always bring the emotion, you bring the character, you bring the oomph, like I'm, you know, always like to put it. Uh, so it's my responsibility as an actor. When they throw something technical at me, I have to make something creative and uh, worthwhile out of it for the, the person listening. So to make all that work, I just made my K's very long and my M's last a long time. So that sort of thing. So you will hear that the more you listen to and play the game. I definitely need to go back through the series because yeah, I definitely want to listen to that now. But the slowed down, I mean, it honestly makes it a little bit more menacing. Now, did you kind of find that in doing that? Uh, the character and the writing, and again, here we go, just like with Digimon, the writing is much of what makes it so good. Uh, I can bring a great performance to a lousy script, okay? Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, every actor, as I say, we are responsible for that end of it, but we don't write the stuff. Um, in the case with uh, these amazing lines that they wrote, especially in three, um, in some of my final scenes, this unforgettable dialogue, um, Regardless of the writing, it is our responsibility to bring the character, to bring whatever passion, emotion, pain, uh, joy, savagery, all of these things are our responsibility as actors. So when um, that menacing quality, first of all, Xemnas is pretty menacing to begin with, okay? And I'm not what you would call one of the nicest people <laughs> in, you know, in all of gaming anywhere. I'm not, a, Xemnas is not a good guy, you know? <laughs> So when uh, the responsibility for me is to make the character more menacing, I do things with my voice and looking at the lines and saying, oh God, I can't wait to say this. I can then do things with my voice just based on the pure excitement of what they wrote. And I know the effect it's going to have. Well, I will say, you mentioned a little bit, you know, your work in the third game, which, and no spoilers, don't worry, guys, all I'm going to say is, you know, throughout the series, which I followed it since the release of each game, I was ready just to, no offense, just take you down. Like, I was uh -huh. ready to end Xemnas. I loved him, but he was a bad guy. But then that yeah. final line that you did at the end, you uh, Spoiler, spoiler. No spoilers, not saying what it is, but... No, okay, okay. Ugh. Anyway, now before we continue, guys, I did want to mention well, just one one little thing about that. I did have oh. one of my one of my Twitter fans um, who uh, tweeted out, "Paul, if you had told me two weeks ago that I would be crying at the end of Kingdom Hearts, I would have laughed at you." And she said, "I just finished the game. Thank you for turning me into a sobbing mess because I, it 
it really did affect her that way. You know? I could not say it better myself. She nailed it. <laughs> well, guys, I did want to, before we continue, a lot of you have already messaged your questions and comments to, to VisionCon or put it in the live chat for Paul St. Peter, but you still have a lot of time to do so, but I wanted to remind you that that option is available to you guys if you are watching this live here on Facebook. Now, I did want to continue on with a character that you voiced that kind of is in the middle between the two extremes. Started bad, ended up good. That, of course, is Kuruma from Naruto. So you can kind of hear Kuruma in both of those characters, but there's also this, like, undergrounding grovelness and, like, beastness to it that, I mean, I know I could never attain in my voice. So kind of, <laughs> how did you develop Kuruma's voice and just kind of, you know, any interesting parts about Kuruma? I'm always listening to the way other people speak. And it's not that I get a character idea from someone necessarily, <clears throat> but if there's something distinct about their speech that reminds me of a quality about someone. Okay. Uh, for a panel, I once wrote a short piece um, for people to try to read. It's my villains panel. And uh, it's called The Villains of Paul St. Peter. And I say, who wants to try? Who wants to get up and sound, you know, villainous? Yeah. And this one is called Sinister. And so I wrote the character with the name of Sinister in mind. And it is a sinister character. All right. I will listen to someone speaking and say, that sounds a little bit like somebody silly. Or that sounds like somebody enigmatic or whatever. So that voice will stick in my mind. And I will, or a quality of it will stick in my mind. A friend of mine once did a voice based on something he heard in some satanic movie. <clears throat> and that reminded me when I heard that voice, uh, they said, um, we want you to do that voice. And all they need to do is tell me they want that voice. I know what they're talking about. It's the one I used for um, Kokomon in the Digimon movie. And uh, it's the one that I'm well known for. So when they said, do that voice for Naruto, I was ready. Uh, now, to your question in terms of qualities of it, you know, there are qualities like this, like this is Leoman, and you hear this in the voice of Zemnis. Now, the low sound, uh, the rumbly sound you have in there is what I do with my vocal cords. This is where I, as a speech technician, teach people how to do this. I teach them in the panels, and I teach them when I teach. <laughs> and so... Um, I add that quality of that growly here, but underneath there, there's a sound that I add. It's almost whispery. Which is why you heard a little bit of Zemnis and a little bit of Leoman, but it's a voice in and of itself. I then change and whisper more or less with it. So there are levels and subtleties within the voice and the character. Now, were you a fan of how the character evolved throughout the series? Now, of course, starting out being, you know, arguably one of the main antagonists of the story, all the way to being, you know, him and Naruto are, you know, one and the same, you know, connected to one another. Were you a fan of that? And as the voice actor to Kuruma, did you have to alter the voice at all to kind of portray a little bit more of a kinder tone in Kuruma? I love the story arc. Um, you have to remember that at the beginning, I was really a representation more than anything else. I was a representation of temptation to Naruto. When he was a little kid and he would be tempted to sell out and I would be there in my big cage and I would look down and I would say, 
Give me your chakra. And you know, the Japanese bead of sweat right here. Uh, mm -hmm. Naruto looking up there and he's tempted. And then he turns around and walks away and I just kind of chuckle at him. As he's utilized me and we've become more allies, um, you're not necessarily seeing a kinder, gentler Kurama, but we're seeing the character that is on Naruto's side and the character that does stand with Naruto. One part I like about this, and this was in the neighborhood of episode 600 or so, <laughs> um, I had uh, one exchange with Naruto where he was just, pardon my French, bitching at me. And I was, I was bitching back at him. We went back and forth and back and we wouldn't shut up. I finally looked at him and said, knock it off, you little bastard. <laughs> I so I got to actually say that. I couldn't stop laughing. I said, oh, my God, <laughs> I got to say that. And then we had to change it for broadcast and say, knock it off, you little jerk, or whatever I said. Um, but now we've become almost like an old married couple. Okay. <laughs> now, in uh, Boruto, those who are watching that, um, it's long enough since I did my last episode. I can tell you about that. There was uh, one point where Naruto comes to ask me for guidance how to handle Boruto. And I basically tell him, you know, be a dad, you idiot. You know, something along, it's kind of those, along those lines. Um, so the change in the character hasn't made me less ferocious or whatever, but it's a more rounded character. Like I say, it's, it's one of those cases, a character arc. And again, that has to do with the original animators, the original Japanese episodes, and our translators and writers here in English. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of people were very excited to have you on the show for a myriad of roles. Of course, Kurama was a big one. And, you know, if anybody who looks at my background can see, uh, I, I definitely agree with that sentiment. But uh, so some of your other roles that I did want to touch on real quick uh, was Yami from Bleach. Now, Bleach is coming back, of course, so a big resurgence in that show as well. Was there any interesting stuff about Yami or was that just kind of one of the roles that kind of, you know, legend where you are today well when i was cast to play that one um it was through a studio that again knows my work um yeah. i am you know pretty well known around town to various places or for that matter of uh, various casting people who might work at a studio i've never heard of but they know me bring me in because it's a brand new place and yeah well, we want this guy we want that voice when they brought me in for uh, yami they knew what kind of vocal work i did and they showed me a picture of Yami. And um, that's all I needed. <laughs> all you need to do is see that face. And it, it, those of you who know uh, Bleach well, the uh, hollows um, have part or all of a skeletal face um, the jaw, the eyes, and all that stuff. Mine is just the jawbone. That's like my armor as Yami. And so Yami is one of the few characters I've ever played that is all about murder and mayhem. He has absolutely no redeeming features whatsoever. So it's very straightforward. And I get to be very gleeful and joyous in my evil. I will say to someone, I'm going to go and kill those guys. Then I'll kill you. You want me to help me kill them before I kill you? <laughs> I mean, it, it's that kind of um, menace and power. <clears throat> So uh, being cast for a role like that, I know exactly what to do. And they know that I bring that kind of energy and sound. And because of my vocal range, uh, did you lose me in picture? Yeah, yeah, we lost you in picture. Okay. Yes, one sec, guys. Okay. I just, 
Yeah, the window comes up and it says start my video. So that seems to be every half an hour. All right. Oh, so. okay. Interesting. Let's, or it was, it, it seems like a half an hour ago. Let's, let's keep an eye out for that, you know. You got it. But quickly enough, it was another click and we're right back again. Yeah, yeah. Yami is one of those characters that, uh, because he's a hollow, and because I watched seasons one through five of Bleach, so I haven't gotten to Yami yet. Mm -hmm. uh, but I learned a lot about the hollows, the bounce, and the soul society. And uh, uh, really got crazy about that series, too. So I can't wait to get my hands on the episodes that I was actually in. <laughs> because I was in episodes, I, I should say, seasons one and two as Grand Fisher. Mm -hmm. So I am in that series, too, near the beginning. And then I disappear until I come back as Yami later. Mm -hmm. I think we got there again. Yeah, it just did that again. Okay, yeah, I don't know what that's about. That's wild. Um, huh. Yeah, I mean, we still got you on the live. Huh. Well, I did want to ask uh, two more questions before we open it up to the plug zone. And then, of course, viewers, comments, and question, guys. Uh, this is a question that I think you'll have a unique perspective on because, like you said, you <clears throat> teach people about doing voices and, you know, just acting in general, both at cons and just because you do that. So I did want to ask uh, two questions. Number one, how do you deal with rejection? Now, obviously, rejection is a big part of life in general. <clears throat> But in an, if there was ever any industry where I'd say rejection is probably the biggest, your industry would probably be one of the biggest. So how do you, Paul St. Peter, who's done this for decades now, handle rejection? Does it get any easier? Or what kind of advice would you give people who want to get in this industry uh, that they can better handle rejection? Well, I went about getting going in the uh, industry, uh, in the business and show business uh, in a very odd way. Uh, most people get, begin by getting their SAG cards, and that's the big thing, okay? Uh, I began with my Actors' Equity Association card. Uh, that's very unusual in Los Angeles, but that was the first avenue open to me because I was doing Shakespeare a lot and a lot of stage productions at the time. And in Actors' Equity Association, we have an old saying, rejection is your fourth meal of the day. Um, you have to just sort of be ready for it. I did see something on Twitter this morning that was quite interesting, and... Uh, uh, it said, remember, when you're rejected, they're rejecting your work, not you. Oh. Um, now, to me, my work is sometimes the same as I am, and I'm the same as my work. Uh, however, um, what I like to tell people when I'm doing my panel, which is uh, about show business itself, about being in the business, um, voice acting for business and pleasure is what I call it. Mm -hmm. I try to tell them, look, they are not rejecting you personally because they don't know you. They don't know you well enough to have a problem with you, okay? <laughs> uh, they don't have a chance to get to dislike you or anything like that. Their job is to look at what you are presenting and will it fit into what they're after. And that's all it is. Um, I don't think so much of it as rejection because I've been doing it a long time and what I do many times does work. It just doesn't work this time for this project. Hmm. Okay. On the other hand, uh, I will get job after job after job, audition after audition, audition after audition. Um, I'll just be on a, a hot streak because what I do works. Uh, then suddenly you go through that cold streak where, as the old saying goes, I can't seem to get myself arrested, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's it, fair. Lost picture again, waiting. There it is. There you are. Okay, maybe every five minutes, that's what it's doing, okay? Yeah, well, we'll um, work it out. Yeah, and as far as the, the rejection part goes like that, I have to remember that it really isn't personal. 
again, they don't know me well enough. Uh, where actors become vulnerable and really have problems and sometimes take themselves out of the business mm -hmm. is when they say, you know, what's the matter with those people? Why don't they like me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing to do with me. I can walk into the door and be the very best actor and I'm not the right voice. And I've had that happen. I've actually, okay. It keeps doing this. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Hmm, okay. Yeah, still says recording live on Facebook and- Yeah, yeah, we're still recording live here on Facebook. Guys- Yeah, as long, as long as they can hear me, I mean it's- Oh yeah, 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 they can hear you just fine. All right, well, we'll roll with it. Well. The last thing I want to do, we'll skip that question because there are a lot of people who are asking a bunch of questions. So I want okay. to make sure we have time for them. So real quick, guys, if you guys haven't already, um, sorry, message VisionCon directly for your questions or comments or did the live chat, now is your last chance to do so because ladies and gentlemen, we're in the plug zone. Paul St. Peter, now is your chance to advertise, plug, promote, Whatever verb you want to use, anything you want, the floor is yours, sir. Okay, guys, um, Netflix. Look on Netflix and see if you can find a series called The Family Business. Okay, I did The Family Business last year. It's a French series, a very, very funny one. I uh, voice the father, whose name is Gerard, and it's a very, very funny show about um, when everybody thinks marijuana is about to become legal and we become dealers, and then it doesn't become legal, and the insane things that happen to us. Um, check that out. Um, let's see, um, things I can't talk about right now <laughs> are many. Those of you who don't know what a non-disclosure agreement is, the NDA is what tells us we have to keep quiet, sometimes for up to two years, all right? Um, so keep your eyes open for things on Netflix. I'm actually in a couple of properties there. Um, now, those of you who are fans of Miraculous Ladybug, I can tell you I went in last week and I worked on um, the narration for the Ladybug movie. I can't tell you much about it, but uh, it is still in the works. In spite of the pandemic, it's still on the horizon, so there may be a chance for us pretty soon to see Miraculous Ladybug. Fingers crossed. And then uh, if people wanted to see more from you, Paul St. Peter, kind of where could they find you on social media? What you want to do first is look on Facebook for the Paul St. Peter fan site. That's what I call it. Go to the Paul St. Peter fan site. Like me. Look at my pictures. Check out my character uh, uh, prints that I put on there. Um, I have a really great artist uh, whose uh, ID is basil fox creations at uh, gmail.net and um, she does a fantastic job on my prints uh, her name is Alyssa. she's tremendous tremendous but check out my work before you do anything else uh, take a look at the work on there and you will see all these wonderful prints and uh, that's the work of Alyssa for the most part mm -hmm. so check that out uh, twitter um, at real paul st peter and I'm on Instagram. I guess isn't supposed to be hashtag, right? No, it's Instagram. gonna be it's gonna be same as Twitter. It's gonna be at. Okay, I kept thinking for some reason it was hashtag. All right, 
So that tells you I don't know much. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, at Paul St. Peter one, the number one. And all of those links, guys, if you're watching this live now on Facebook, they're going to be in the live chat so you guys can easily access them. Or if you're watching this later on YouTube, just give me down in the description below. And with that Absolutely. said, guys, go through and do those likes and do those uh, um, likes and loves and uh, all the other stuff you go on there. Give us a big smile if that's what it is. But uh, uh, me and all of the other actors I work with, by all means, let's, let's get that on there. Heck yeah. All right. And with that, we're out of the plug zone, guys, and we're going to viewers' <laughs> comments and questions. Let me, uh, real quick, let me try one last, oh, there you are. Yeah, you know, on the lower part of the screen, it says mute and it says stop, it has video, and then it slashes through and says stop video. It's doing it on its own, so. Oh, that's, <clears> that's <throat> wild. Now, I will say. Well, we I know what to watch for now, so. Okay, there you go. We have used Zoom for a lot of this, you know, both for Virtual Vision Con and, you know, all these Vision Con Live episodes, and it's very easy to use. But with that ease of use, it's not always <laughs> reliable. So, but uh, with that said, guys, like usual, I'm going to take questions and comments from the messenger and in the live chat, so everybody gets an equal chance. I started us off a little earlier, so I so we could try to get to all the questions. So I'll go ahead and start off. The first question comes from Monica, who wanted to know what inspired you to get into the acting business. Now, I mean, we kind of touched on that one a little bit in the beginning so uh but maybe i'll alter it a little bit what about kind of what were some of your inspirations well the most inspiring part for me simply is the rush i get okay um the old saying um there's a good dog and a bad dog or a good wolf and a bad wolf you know which one wins and you say whichever one i feed the most okay um acting feeds me performing feeds me there's something inside me that needs it. I have to have it. One of my uh, fellow Shakespearean actors, a wonderful guy named Archie Lee Simpson, uh, said it perfectly. He called it a sickness. <laughs> we, we can't get rid of it. It's just there. It just stays. So Monica, specifically um, for me, the inspiration comes from the actors I see around me and from whatever they do and what I do that feeds me. Actually, speaking of Shakespearean, I know I saw it. Let me give me one sec. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Nick asked, what does it mean to be a Shakespearean actor? Well, one could say it's as simple as doing Shakespeare. Okay. <laughs> um, what you need to do is uh, study the craft. And I don't mean study just a couple of classes. I mean the craft. Uh, my training has covered verse, narrative, and prose poetry. Mm -hmm. uh, different kinds of verse poetry from different languages, like uh, Norse verse and uh, uh, Gaelic and things like that. Learn poetry. Um, you need to study speech, 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 speech. You need to be able to hit all of your terminals and say, for instance, tract, not track, but tract. These things need to become natural for you. And vocally, you need to train yourself like crazy. Um, luckily, I have a good ear for sound. I sing. And moving myself uh, musically around my vocal range makes a gigantic difference. So to be a Shakespearean actor is to be very well-rounded and to train yourself. And also to be mentally and emotionally prepared to be humbled. Because Shakespeare is the great humbler. That's what I call him. My, my words, the great humbler. <laughs> Great humbler, Paul St. Peter TM. 
<coughs> All right, let me scroll back up top. Okay, Alan wanted to know, did you ever think the Kingdom Hearts series would get as big as it did? No, Alan, I didn't. We as actors <laughs> simply go in and do the job. We have no control over the marketing side of all that sort of thing. Um, now, yes, you look at the people like Disney, you look at Square Enix, um, the times I've worked on uh, World of Warcraft, okay, there's Blizzard. We, we have big names. No guarantee, though. No guarantee that it's going to go anyplace. I liked what I was reading, and I liked the look and the, the feel, and they explained the series to me. They gave me a, a very rough picture of it. It all looked tremendous. Uh, the lines, the sessions, everything, wonderful. And then you walk away and cross your fingers. So I didn't. I didn't want to say no. I didn't think it would be would go anyplace. But I had no idea it would be worldwide like it is. Yeah. We got one more question in the messenger before we will go to the live chat, and that <clears throat> was from Christine, who wanted to know what is your favorite part about Digimon. Christine, my favorite part of Digimon. Oh, <laughs> my favorite part would have to be uh, the interactions we get to have with the kids. Um, they get to ask us questions um, as characters, and uh, I, as Leomon, got to be very much the teacher and tell the kids, even the first time I died, supposedly died in the series, and I thought my character was gone, they said, no, don't worry, you'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> um, they said, uh, I was telling them, remember, you have the heart of a lion. You know, these were things that you want to impart. Uh, as Wormmon, in spite of the terrible treatment at the hands of the Digimon Emperor, I never gave up on him. Wormmon was the sweetest, most loyal little guy. And I had that episode where I just, my character, Wormmon, just broke into tears. And I would say, Ken, I know you've been doing bad things, but you can still be a good boy. And stuff like that. Yeah, it's just, it, it just tugs at your heart. It really does. That was the best part. And again, it had to do with the writing. Sure. Combat was fun. Um, I loved the funny stuff they threw into the series for the adults that are watching the cartoon because it was designed for the kids in a lot of ways. But if you listen carefully, you hear a lot of jokes that only the grown-ups get. That's the best thing, too. <laughs> some, some of that later value. Great, great question, Christine. Great question. So we're going into the chat, and a lot of people, you know, are saying hi, that they love your work in Digimon and Kingdom Hearts. Uh, Aaron asked, which Marvel team would you want to be Digi-Destined as Wormmon and Tamers as Leomon to join force, uh, forces with Avengers or Guardians of the Galaxy? So to dissect this question, um, as Wormmon and uh, Leomon, would you rather join forces with the Avengers or the Guardians of the Galaxy? Wow, that's a tough one. Always had a thing about being the Hulk, you know. Um, but I would have to say Guardians of the Galaxy because of the travel. Yeah, <laughs> the shenanigans you get into. Yeah. All right, and then another person wanted to know, um, and I don't know if you're familiar with Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., but which Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. would Leomon want to partner with and why? And then he, get, he listed off... Um, examples of uh, Peggy Carter, Nick Fury, or Bill Coulson. Are you familiar with the Sh Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series? Um, not that much. I, I wouldn't know by looking at them names or anything like that. I'm sorry. Okay. No, 
Uh, Nick Fury is cool. I'm sure you probably pal around with Nick Fury. Probably Nick, Nick would sounds like he'd be my guy. Nicky, I call him <laughs> Nicky. You know, so. Okay, Sky had a big thing that he wanted to tell you. He says, "Oh my goodness, um, what do I say?" Well, first off, 11 years ago, I was introduced to Kingdom Hearts 2, and Zemnis became my favorite character. I had just entered high school, and this marked a turning point in my life where everyone everything started getting better. So I wanted to say thank you very much for being Zemnis. You really helped me through hard times. And then years later, I got into JoJo's and found out you voiced, and I'm probably going to butcher this, so I apologize, Wamu, and I got a new favorite character. Oh, yes. Well, thank you for the wonderful compliment. It's nice to be um, part of something good that happens like that. Um, yes, actually, I was Wamu. I was also Dyer, and I was also Jack the Ripper. Oh. And so uh, you were right. It is Wamu, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> With two two U's. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, over the years, we as actors will work from series to series to series to series. For me, I get this a lot. People don't realize I'm in X this show or that show or whatever because I change my voice so much. Uh, someone on Twitter saw our plug here for today at VisionCon. And the guys, one guy on Twitter said, oh, my God, all this time, Zamnis has been Kurama, you know, I mean, yeah. wow, you know, <clears throat> yeah. Now, I'm not one to go on and say, oh, hey, everybody, these are all the characters I've done and list them down there. I want you to see all of them. But I'm open to talking about that if you do find out. That's okay. Okay. Ooh, one last. <clears throat> that was it for the live chat, but we have a last minute addition to the inbox. Okay. Let me pull this up real quick. Okay, all right, and forgive me if I mispronounce your name, sir. Um, Ramzias, I'm pretty sure I pronounced it correctly. Uh, Ramzias wanted to know what would some advice that you would give to aspiring voice actors? Well, the first advice I give to anyone who wants to become an actor is don't. <laughs> uh, the uh, acting business is thankless, it can be downright heartless. There's not a lot about the business in and of itself that makes it worth its while for you. It can be very, very unforgiving and nobody loves you. Everybody wants to hear actors, everybody wants to watch movies, but nobody wants to pay you to be an actor. So you really do have to find your way and, and go through this. Okay, now having said don't be an actor. <laughs> um, so, sorry, the... Uh, Police and fire stations are very close to me, if you're hearing that. I don't know. <laughs> you're fine. Okay. Um, the most important thing to do is do this if you have to. Become a performer and uh, get on a stage, get behind a microphone, get in front of a camera, if you have to. I mentioned earlier the part about how it feeds me. There isn't anything else I want to do, and even if I did something else, I would have to still do this. Uh, something about it just stays with you. Um, and when an actor is not acting, that's one miserable creature. If we don't have that, uh, uh, that creative outlet, we start doing odd things like, you know, uh, yelling funny or crazy lines out on subways, you know, <laughs> uh, because then we're going to get an audience, however briefly and however weird they might think we are. You know? sure. uh, but I don't recommend you go into it. But if you really have to, if it's something that you absolutely must do, then wherever you are, uh, find out about what's going on locally, uh, theater especially. Get up on stage. 
make your mistakes. If there's an improv class in your town, make sure you jump up there and get, get to improving. As much as you can possibly learn as an actor in terms of voice and speech, learn that as much as you can. Um, now here's the really bad news. Sooner or later, you've got to come to the big city. So it'd be great. Um, I would love to be able to live in, say, uh, in Omaha, because Omaha is one of the best uh, Cajun restaurants I've ever been to. Okay. But I'm a voice actor, an on-camera actor, an on-stage actor, and Omaha is not the place for me because I'm those things. All right. Um, Cajun food notwithstanding. (laughs) (laughs) So... um, you will need to come to the big city. So if you can train yourself and remember uh, not to let rejection destroy you and make it to the big city, then yes, that's the advice I would have. Go for it. Nailed it. And I believe in hindsight, your, your name's probably pronounced Ramsey. So I do apologize for that. But ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time we got. So this has been episode 23 of VisionCon Live. Now, before we wrap things up, Paul St. Peter, want to leave us off on anything? Um, stay with it, don't give up, and stay safe, everybody. What we are going through right now in this pandemic will be with us for a while, so be smart. Wear a mask, wear eye covering, wear gloves. Stay healthy, because it's up to us, not anyone else. Couldn't say it better myself. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 23 of VisionCon Live. Make sure to tune in on Sunday for episode 24 of VisionCon Live, featuring my interview with special guest Chuck Huber. Of course, you know him as the voice of Android 17 from Dragon Ball, EA from Yu Yu Hakusho, Shao Tucker from Full Metal Alchemist, just to name a few. But until next time, guys, I'm your host, Zach Wilson. But much more importantly, this has been Paul St. Peter. If you're watching this later on YouTube, make sure to check out all the links down in the description below for more from Paul St. Peter. But until next time, guys, stay safe out there and always remember that life's better when you have friends to share it with.